Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome into the Ots and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem. Eric Scopel is with me as always. And on today's show, we are going to discuss two verbal commitments that happened in a span of two or three days over the weekend. We're also going to dive into some re- recruitments and some potential commitments that Oregon could see in the next couple of days to weeks, uh, all coming up on the Ots and Audibles podcast and before we do, I want to remind you guys out there that you can subscribe to DuckTerritory.com for as low as $1 for your first month. And then after that, you're paying $9.95 per month. Or you could go the annual route and pay a one-time fee of $75.18. But trust me, you save over $44 when you compare that to what you would pay on a monthly basis. So huge savings both sides. If you're ready to go all in and get an annual membership, you can do so. Uh, save a huge chunk of money. If you want to try us out, you can do so for just $1. Can't beat that. Inside Scoop, expert analysis. You get to read all the content across the 24-7 Sports Network, not just our site. You get to read everybody. And then you also get to join our great community, which is on duckterritory.com. So, all right, Eric, um, from a basketball perspective, and I'll be honest, this one came out of left field for me. I, I've, I've – not to toot my own horn, but I feel pretty good of kind of knowing and, you know, what's on the table for Oregon and what, where things are going and trending for basketball and, and whatnot. And Saturday afternoon, Kevin Wade, our coworker, you know, he messaged me on Slack. Well, and I was, I was out golfing saying, Hey, did you see this? And I, I was kind of blown away. I was like, Oh my God, that's pretty big. That where did that come from? Out of, out of the left field. Uh, but nonetheless, huge commitment for the Oregon men's basketball program and head coach Dana Altman when LJ Figueroa, a six foot six wing, we're going to call him a wing because they can play small forward, he can play shooting guard um, from St. John's, has transferred to the University of Oregon. He's announced that transfer. And this is a big time score, led, led the Johnnies, the Red Storm last season in points, 14.5 points per game. 36.5% three-point percentage shooter, uh, averaged 4.5 rebounds, 2.1 assists, almost two steals uh, as a junior for the Red Storm. And as a sophomore for them, very similar numbers, 14.4 points per game. He averaged 6.4 rebounds. He averaged 1.7 assists and 1.8 steals. Uh, he, his shooting percentages are, are considerably better as a, as a sophomore than it was as a junior, but the reasoning for the dip, uh, about 14% decline from his sophomore year to his junior year is because he went from being like the third or the fourth best player 
on the team as a sophomore in 2018-2019 to the team's best player, and his usage went way up. And, and normally when a, a player's usage on the offensive side of the ball considerably jumps, his percentages are going to drop a little bit just because he's got more touches. But this is this feels like a big-time commitment for the Oregon men's basketball program, a guy that was – one of the best guards, one of the best players overall in the Big East, which is a, a pretty respectable conference. This is, I, this is huge. And like Matt, um, Matt's even more dialed in than I am, obviously, on the men's basketball side. That's, that's Matt. Matt. Matt does a great job with that. And, uh, and I was on vacation the last day of my vacation on Sunday and, uh, and saw this come, a lot, come across. And, and like Matt was just kind of like, wow, okay. Um, and and you, you go and, and check out Figueroa and, and there's a, I should say YouTube has like about a 12, 13 minute highlight tape from the 2019 season. Um, he can score in a variety of ways. Uh, he's a good three point shooter, imp- impressive finisher. Um, I, I think Matt brought up the fact that he averages almost two steals per game that comes across. He's really active defensively. He's got long limbs. I, I, I kind of think it's not a perfect comparison, but like physically, he kind of moves and reminds me a little of Troy Brown from a couple of years ago from the men's team. I know stylistically they're different. Brown's not a very good three-point shooter, and Brown's probably a better lead guard, but both active defensively, long, lean, and really good. around. I think actually similar in terms of how they can finish around the basket. I know Brown was sort of up and down, but there were times where he would flash some pretty spectacular um, finishes in the, in the lane on a drive, and I think Figueroa shows a little of that as well, so... Now it's really just a matter, Matt, right, of can he play this year or does he have to sit? And we should note, um, originally, Figueroa had actually uh, put his n- name into the NBA draft um, and, and was planning on, on entering the, you know, trying to be a draft prospect this year. But due to COVID-19, has decided to change things around a little bit. Matt, are, are, you, are we expecting him to play right away? or Because we should say it's a weird deal. He hasn't graduated college, but he is. And in going, he will be a senior at Oregon. He's one year. Does it feel like this is going to be an immediate, or do, you, or are we expecting maybe he has to to sit a little bit? Yeah, he's going to petition to have his eligibility be immediate, and meaning he could join Oregon this upcoming season, 2020-2021, and play right away. And I, I think, I think he has a case here in theory because. The NCAA typically grants waivers for these types of situations where if it's the, the, the student athlete's health or safety is at risk for his current school, he deals with some kind of um, personal you know, issue with the school that, that, that's out of his control or you know, the school, like what we're seeing at Oklahoma State right now. Um, that school was placed on a one-year you know, postseason ban, and so any, any athlete there could – choose to, to transfer and be eligible immediately because that's not, that wasn't in their control. Um, I think he has a case. He's going to try and get it. And his, his argument is going to be that, Hey, I, I play my, my college basketball. I go to school in the city of New York. And this is one of the biggest centers for COVID-19. And there are, you know, cases upon cases and it, this is one of, you know, ground zero, one of the, the few ground zero locations, hotspots in our country. And he could argue that I don't feel safe playing college basketball here. I don't feel safe going to school here. And I'm, I'm going to try and go somewhere else where the, the, the cases and 
the uh, the I guess the frequency of COVID nineteen popping up is fewer and far between than what it is at New York City. So I think he has a case. Um, it's going to come up to the NCAA. They're going to have to review his appeal. But uh, to to my knowledge, I mean, this seems pretty easy to to argue. Of uh, I'm in New York City. There's a lot of COVID nineteen cases. I don't feel safe. I want to go somewhere else, and that should fly. But then again, we are talking about the NCA where logic sometimes just doesn't win out. And if we want to, I mean, not to make this a COVID-19 related podcast, but 387,000 confirmed cases in New York City. And as of this morning, about 94 COVID-19 cases in all of Lane County. So um, from a safety perspective, he has a very strong case. Uh, you know, Oregon has been very fortunate and I'm knocking on wood as I say this, but not been hit like other parts of the country have been. And I think it is a good case that is brought up here because yeah, you don't, I mean, St. John's is located in New York city and that's not exactly where you want to be right now. No. Um, from that perspective, let's, let's assume that the NCAA uses logic and, and, we, and we obviously, um, Sedona Prince just sued because some logic wasn't used earlier so we can it it hits kind of close to home that maybe this won't work out but let's assume here even though maybe we shouldn't that he is eligible to play right away now how do you see Figueroa's addition impacting rotations maybe the starting lineup and then just the season as a whole like is this is this thing where you can see this being the difference in uh two or three seed lines for the Ducks in 2020-21 or is, is that maybe getting too far ahead of ourselves um are you, can, you, can you repeat that again? I, I, that flew over my head. I was looking at something and I missed it. Okay. Um, oh, all right. So I, I guess, Matt, let's assume that the NCAA uses logic um, and, and we can admit that doesn't always transpire. Uh, what do you think the impact is for the 2020-21 season with Figueroa from both a rotational perspective? Is he a guy that comes in and starts? I think it seems like he would. And, and how does that kind of mix and match the rest of the roster? And then maybe from a team ceiling perspective um, for 2021, how do you feel like this would impact things if he is able to go right away? Yeah, I, I think Figueroa is going to be someone, if he's eligible right away, I don't know how you don't start him. Right. Um, and I think it makes a real interesting competition now where you have Will Richardson, you've got Amari Hardy, Crystal Duarte, LJ Figueroa, Eric Williams, that's five guys that you look at and say, these are all established players at the collegiate level, Division One level. They are all coming into a system now where they've, they've got three spots, five guys that are all basically I look at as bona fide starters. And Oregon could – Oregon theoretically now is going to be insanely deep because – they are going to bring off the bench two guys. I don't know who it's going to be. I mean, I, I feel pretty confident in saying Will Richardson will be the starting point guard for Oregon. But you have Chris Duarte, who, quite honestly, before he got hurt at the tail end of the season, was on pace to have some kind of mention with all Pac-12 accolades. It could have been honorable mention. It could have been second team. I don't think he would have been first. But Right. But that's the level he was playing at before he got hurt and his numbers tailed off and he didn't finish the season. Um, You have Eric Williams, who averaged almost 15 points a game at Duquesne last season. Uh, You have Amari Hardy, who did something very similar to that. And now you have 
LJ Figueroa, who is one of the best players in the Big East. And uh, ESPN, they ranked him as the eighth best sit one transfer for this offseason. And they, they noted that he would be even in, in, in higher demand had he been el- eligible to play right away. And now we kind of have an idea of where that, you know, that, that might happen. Um, but if LJ Figueroa is able to play, I think Oregon bolsters himself. You know, this is a veteran player. He's, he's gone through the rigors of college basketball before. He's played at a high level before. He's played in a tough conference. He's produced on a team that, that, that won games. And I don't know how he doesn't start, to be honest with you. Um, I, I think we're probably looking at him as the starter at small forward. We're looking at either Chris Duarte or uh, Amari Hardy as the starting shooting guard. And then you have Will Richardson. And you have a, a backup guard in, in Eric Williams, who is you know, 14 points a game coming off the bench now. I mean, that, that's tremendous. Um, uh, maybe maybe he wins the job. I don't know, but I think the competition now at the guard spot. We haven't even talked about Addison Patterson. No. We haven't talked about uh, Jalen Terry. You know, the, no. the four-star guard that's coming in, top 100. You know, point guard. Uh, Oregon all of a sudden is just absolutely loaded, and makes me kind of wonder if we're if we're going to see Oregon deploy a couple lineups where they maybe go small ball. And they play four guards because they've now got three guys in Chris Duarte, Figueroa, and Eric Williams that are all six foot six. And all three of them are kind of the bigger, longer, tougher type of a player where they could theoretically for a couple minutes play that power forward spot within Oregon's defense of rotation and Oregon get away with it. So we could be looking at a, a, a year in which we see kind of these, you know, maybe in Fale Dante and four guards who are all, mind you, six foot five to six foot six out on the court. I, I love that idea, Matt. And as you run through it all, I'm sure like the listener, I, I was going like, boy, you're right. There are going to be some tough, tough competition for guard spots. Um, it's a little similar to the women's side where you've got all of these highly rated, highly regarded players coming in and not a lot of, you know, and a finite amount of playing time and, and starting minutes. So yeah, it's going to be intriguing, and it's a weird thing thinking about a guy like Eric Williams who we were really excited to see. A player like Eugene Amamori, who also figures in here, he's more of a power forward, I guess, but all of these experienced veteran guys. I mean, that's what I look at now with, with this team is it's just there's not a lot of players who haven't played at least two to three, maybe four years. This is going to be their fourth season of college basketball at a high level, and a lot of them have played starters minutes. So... <laughs> I, mean, I don't fact, know how I don't yeah. know how this team isn't the Pac-12 favorite, and that's kind of how I'm feeling now. Looking at this, going like you, you know how valuable veteran presences are. Oregon's team is just loaded with it. I mean, there's not going to be a guy. I mean, they could easily start a lineup where every single player has you know three years of ex- college experience, and, and most of them have been starting experience. So, uh, from that perspective, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I don't see how they aren't considered the favorite. I know Arizona State signed a great recruiting class. I know there's a lot of great recruits at other schools in the conference, but um, boy, I, I think this team has a potential to be really loaded and, and, and really unique in terms of the lineups that you can play. I think you're right. You could see them play four guards with a big, you could probably even see them almost play with like Eugene Amamori as the, as the, as the center on the, on the court with four guards. Um, and I mean, and even Will Richardson, I mean, they're all kind of interchangeable at six foot five to six foot six. So 
Um, certainly different than where Oregon has been. Even think about last offseason around this time and they were struggling to find bodies. Um, this year, that certainly won't be an issue. That They, they almost have um, a surplus of, of talented, especially perimeter players. And let's just also now sit here for a second and assume that Figora isn't eligible okay. for the 2020-21 season and he sits out a year. You now have a, perp- a perfect replacement for Chris Duarte when he, he graduates. And you have a guy that, that can come in and you instantly know, all right, we're literally adding a go-to player from a Big East program. We're losing Chris Duarte. We could potentially lose Will Richardson. We already know we're losing um, Amari Hardy. This, this alleviates, I think, some of the stresses of having to go out and sign uh, a big-time guard in the 2021 recruiting class or I should say signing two of them because you still need to sign one, but it alleviates going out and trying to find a big time guard in that 2021 recruiting class to go with another one because you have LJ in the full. I mean, look at, think of it this way. Would you rather have a one and done trans, a one and done high school recruit that maybe isn't going to be on, you know, a hundred percent, caught up to speed with what you're running or let's let's just like let's go with your comparison let me reset this let's go with your comparison of troy brown would you rather yeah, have go. troy brown as a freshman or would you rather have a, a a star player that's a one and done senior transfer that gets a year to to learn the system to grab you know to, to gradually learn develop his game get get in sync with what oregon is doing and then as a red church senior he comes in and and, and plays and oh by the way he's he scored, you know, over a thousand points already in his career, um, and, and at another school in a good conference. Would you rather have a freshman that you don't know how? You know, he could be a superstar at the collegiate level, or he could, you know, he could be a, you know, your really good fourth guy on the floor as a true freshman, or you, you could bring in a, a developed, an older, a more experienced player in, in a guy like LJ Figueroa. Yeah, you take the, I take the, personally, I take the experienced guy every day. Um, I don't think there's much question there. Um, and, and I know Oregon had some success with, with the one and dones, obviously not as much as they would have liked. Um, Brown being the only one who's really had any NBA success, but even he didn't have a fantastic freshman season. And Bull Bull was incredible when he was available. And I think if I were, if you were to ask about I take Bull Bull or LJ Figueroa, I would, I would probably take Bull just because of what he represented. But if you're trying to build a championship team, I don't think there's any question who you want are these veteran guys. And I think that shift is the thing that you see with this program right now um, is they're just going out and finding veteran players that are going to be 21, 22, 23 years old when they're playing at Oregon rather than guys that are 18 or 19 years old that are also going to be here for a year. So it's, I think it's a very logical trade-off and, and I think you have to credit the Oregon staff for giving, you know, rolling the dice after they made that final four run. Hey, now there's some interest from these elite recruits. These five stars, these one and dones are interested now. We rolled the dice. It didn't work out that well. Um, obviously, some of it was successful, but in the big, larger scope, the seasons where you had those guys primarily weren't your best seasons. Now let's regroup and find other ways and let's go back to some of these grad transfers. Um, and you've seen Oregon, and I, I should say other teams in the conference too, pick this up um, and really seem to build their rosters around this, and I think it makes a lot of sense. LJ Figueroa is just a, another one of those big-time transfers that we've seen from Oregon. 
in, in the past. And we should note that Fagora is a player that has um, – I, I, I can't quite remember if he was born in the Dominican Republic, but he does – uh, he does compete for the Dominican Republic's national team. Uh, he played in the, the Pan Am Games in 2019 for, t- for uh, team D- the Dominican Republic's national team. Crystal Huarte is also from the, the Dominican Republic. Um, we also know that Oregon is recruiting a prospect in 2021, David Jones, uh, Davy Jones, that's from West Virginia right now, and he – plays for one of the youth teams in the Dominican Republic. So it seems like Oregon's starting to – we've seen it with the Canadians. Um, it, it looks like Oregon's starting to kind of develop maybe a little bit of a, um, a relationship with the people of the Dominican Republic and having the, the, the Ducks become a, a destination for some of their best basketball players. And it's worked with Canada, and so far so good with Duarte. We'll see with Figaro. This could be another one of those pipelines that, that pays some big dividends. All right, let's take a quick break. You're listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, You transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, welcome back to the Autzen Audibles podcast. I'm at Prem. Eric Scopel is with me as always. And we discussed some of the basketball news that happened over the weekend. Now let's go into the football side of things. And there's a couple of things that, that we're tracking that we're, we're waiting on. But let's first go back to what happened over the weekend. Four-star cornerback Jalen Davies gave his verbal commitment to the Ducks, the 129th best player in the country, the 12th best cornerback in the country, the 11th best player in the state of California. Um, Greg Biggins and I did an emergency podcast about Jalen Davies. But, Eric, what were your thoughts when Davies did give that verbal commitment Friday afternoon? I think it's just the hits keep on coming for the Ducks and, and that in a positive way. Um, you know, they, this, the momentum of this is, is pretty astounding. Um, and, and again, these aren't, 
these are recruits that are very, very highly regarded players. I mean, you look at Davies and he's the seventh best cornerback prospect to ever commit to Oregon. And I believe the 49th best overall prospect to ever commit. And he's only seventh because Oregon has had in the last couple of cycles, tremendous success at that position. Um, four players that are going to be on the roster this upcoming season uh, are ahead of him in Dante Manning, Mikhail Wright, Thomas Graham, and Diamade Lenore. Um, and, and you look at that and think, man, Oregon is just on a roll. And not only in 2021, but at this position group. And given the fact that you had a change of position coach, Dante Williams, we know how successful and imperative he was in SoCal. The fact that Oregon can go back down to Matter Day in Santa Ana, California, in the LA area, and, and grab a player like Davies from that region um, without Williams and with a different cornerback coach and Rod Chance, I think that to me stood out. Um, you know, and, and again, I think Davies is a really good prospect. And that's a, that's a trend you're seeing. And the trend, again, of tall, lean guys. He's six foot 165. That comes across when you watch him on film. I think he has room to fill out. But certainly um, athletic, twitchy, really good coverage guy. Um, ball hawk skills in terms of making plays on the football. Plays, obviously, at one of the most established high schools in the country. So I think if you're an Oregon fan, this is huge. Keeps that momentum going. Um, and again, that cornerback position there's just so much talent coming in out of there. And, and I know it's not fair to call it like DBU yet because you need to see more of it come together on the field, but you're probably, you could be a couple of years from now where that becomes kind of really a national perception year in and year out that Oregon is going to have some of the best defensive back units in the country. That's certainly the case going into 2020 and with prospects like Davies and Perkins and Barkins and all the players that we've seen come in in previous classes. I, I just don't see how that isn't the case. Yeah, it's a big-time get for Oregon. Um, like Eric said, he's the seventh-best cornerback to commit to the Ducks in program history. Um, looking towards this week now, uh, there's a couple things that we're looking at. And, and Oregon currently right now, it, it, their recruiting class is sixth in the country, second in the Pac-12. They're behind USC within that Pac-12 conference race. Um, I think the Trojans are, are fourth or maybe, maybe fifth. Uh, in the top 25 rankings. But Oregon is in a position right now where, yeah, they're fifth. They might jump the Trojans on Friday. And the reasoning being is because four-star tight end Terrence Ferguson has announced that he will make his verbal commitment on June 26th. And just from uh, – have you watched this film recently yet, Eric? Or and I know we, we do these – periodically out there and we, we will have a, a film review should Ferguson commit, but I'm just curious, have you, have you started prepping for that in case it does happen? I, I have watched it. In fact, I did a film review about a month ago um, prior to news about him potentially committing. I was running through some of the top offers and I did do one. So yeah, I'm from, I'm familiar with Terrence Ferguson and, and he's, he's an exciting prospect for sure. And the opportunity there for, for him where does, he, where does he compare to Oregon's other tight end, Maliki Matabo? I actually think they're kind of similar in some ways. They're both long and lean and really good in the open field. Ferguson plays in Colorado, and the competition down there might not be quite what it is in the top parts of Nevada and then obviously like Southern California where, where you see some of the competition with these top tight ends. But he's really big. I think he runs really well for his size. I think he's lean, and like Matabo probably needs some work to um, – as a blocker in terms of just gaining some physical strength and some physicality. I don't know if that's something that he's really been focused and forced to do. 
I look at him and he reminds me a little bit of Jacob Breland, especially when Breland was coming out of high school where he was kind of tall and lean. I know really Breland was probably like closer to six foot five, two ten, and Ferguson's currently listed at two thirty, but just tall, lean, really good in the open field, um, really good pass catchers. I think if Oregon is the choice, um, the ceiling for Ferguson is, is certainly there for him to be a huge part of whatever the pass offense looks like. Because like I said, I think that frame has the capability for him to, to really fill out. And once he does all the things he, he already is able to do in the open field and, and as a pass catcher. And again, like you go watch him, he can run away from players. Uh, and again, at a smaller level of high school, he does that pretty easily. This would be another huge get. And you look at Matavo and now if it is Ferguson on Friday you feel really, really good about what you're doing at tight end going forward. In my mind, you're landing probably two of the top three or four tight ends out West, certainly two of the top, you know, 10 or 12 nationally. Um, And and to go out and do that again, Oregon is going out and finding the top talent on the West coast and nationally. And and it looks like, again, finding a way to land him. And I, again, I think Ferguson is a prospect that I don't know if he's going to outperform Mataveo. I think it will be fun once those two do arrive, if that is the case, and they sign. Once they do arrive at Oregon, it'll be fun to see those two develop next to each other in competition, but also into potentially a really exciting uh, duo of tight ends going forward. Yeah, and I, I don't imagine Oregon – I mean, Oregon's involved with Brock Bowers, a four-star tight end from Napa, um, one of the better – you know, one of the best tight ends in the country as well. I and mean, Ferguson is – you know, he's highly regarded as well. Uh, from the 2021 class rankings, he's the the 12th best tight end nationally in the 24-7 sports composite. So it's not like Oregon is a, a big dip from Bowers to Ferguson. Um, I mean, there is a difference, but it's not like uh, Oregon is going to see a huge dip if, if Ferguson doesn't commit to Oregon or does and, and Bowers doesn't. But I, regardless, my, my point here is, is – I, I think if, if the crystal ball right now is saying 100% for Oregon, there's eight predictions. I've made one for Oregon. I know Kevin Wade's made one. Steve Wiltfong, Blair Anguillo has made one. Um, a lot of our top insiders have all said Oregon. So right now it would be kind of a shock. And I think Oregon would be, Oregon would be done. I know it's not that I think. It's, I know they'll be done at the tight end position unless – Matavo or Ferguson decides to decommit at a later date. But right now you, you can't really anticipate um, that happening should Ferguson commit. So I, I think it's in a, I think Oregon's in a really good position where you've talked about this a little bit, but the tight end spot, they needed to kind of overhaul this mm-hmm. position group because of just the lack of signings. So they've already got one commit and Ferguson can make it too, which would really go a long ways. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's the thing you get excited about is there is some kind of uncertainty about that position going forward. I think we're going to learn a lot this fall, obviously, with who steps into potentially a starting role or or how the roles come together. But you needed some stability in 2021. And if you can go out and land, in in my mind, I think two of the three best tight ends out west um, in Matavajo and Ferguson, boy, that's a victory right there every time. And that sets you up at that position group going forward. and, And you know how creative it sounds like Moorhead likes to get. I'm sure he's excited about the idea of getting some of these athletic, tall, currently lean, but will fill out tight ends to maybe even split out wide. I think both guys show that capability as well as pass receivers. We're also, or we were at least, um, monitoring what Xavier Worthy, uh, another four-star prospect, 
that's been giving Oregon a lot of attention. He was scheduled to make a verbal commitment on June 28th, a day after Terrence Ferguson. He has since backed off that date of when he could make a verbal commitment. Um, we don't know a new date. He hasn't said that. Uh, he wants to camp out in, for some camps in June if there's any out there. We do know he is coming to, you, to the Springfield, Oregon area for a combine. Uh, it, I think July 2nd is the date when, he wants to, when he's coming up for that. And Oregon coaches can't be there. He can't go and, and check out Oregon's facilities and, and campus with Oregon's coaches. Uh, he can't see the facilities at all. Um, I don't know what the, the restrictions are from just the University of Oregon policy in general of visiting. Uh, I, I, I believe some of the campus is open right now, but I mean, there's only so much you can do on your own during the summer months, during COVID-19. But I imagine and he'll at least, if he's in Springfield, he'll at least try and get out to, to Eugene even for an hour just to walk around the campus and see if, if he can get a, some kind of a feel for it. But Worthy is, is the, well, one of the better receivers in the country. 24-7 sports has him as the 11th best receiver nationally, the 95th best player regardless of position in the country, the 8th best player in the state of California. And to be honest, things are still good for Oregon. I, I, I look at his as his backing off of his decommitment, of his commitment date of, of June 28th as – not the best news, but I wouldn't change my crystal ball, which I've which I've placed right now. Um, that decision hasn't impacted me too much yet. I mean, there's a little bit of concern, but I don't know if 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 it's time to think. Oh, he's not coming to Oregon anymore. Is there is there one school maybe that is making this difficult? You think, or or is this just he maybe needs some more time? Um, I I think it's both. I think it's I think one it's it 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 feels like. He got a couple big offers, um, some, and his ranking went up, and all of a sudden he was ready to commit. And maybe he was a little, you know, the, the skis got a little bit ahead of him a little bit, and uh, the process was going a little bit too fast. So I think I, I understand that one right there. Um, I also we also know that Michigan's playing a factor here, and you know Giles Jackson is a California-based player for the Wolverines that Oregon actually considered as well. You know, they, they recruited him. Um, they ended up saying that they couldn't take him at receiver because of a couple other commits that were in the area or that were in the fold already at the time. And ironically enough, some of them decommitted. Um, but it, it's not Oregon's fault there. But Giles Jackson's done a lot of recruiting for Xavier Worthy, trying to, you know, pitch him on Michigan and pitch him on Jim Harbaugh and the offense that they're going to run and how Worthy would fit and, Giles Jackson was from the Bay Area. Um, Xavier Worthy is from Fresno, so they're not necessarily from the same town, but you know they're at the same time very loosely in the same region of the state of California. And I probably understand that I'm probably going to offend a lot of Californians saying, oh, Fresno, you know, that, that's its own region compared to, to Northern California, Bay Area. But, you know, kinda, they're kind of close. Um, and so I'm sure they've crossed paths a little bit in terms of seven on seven or high school football, but yeah, Michigan's Michigan's the school that's playing a big factor here. Um, I still think 
he lands at Oregon. I'm not changing my pick to the crystal on the crystal ball until I get different information. And, you know, we'll see what happens if Oregon, you know, if, if any kind of recruiting tactic, you know, policies change and, and Oregon can get guys on campus and whatnot. Um, if, if they can, then I'm definitely confident they'll, that they'll land him, but uh, nothing has really changed on my end between Michigan, you know, pushing up the, the level of, of confidence in him and in Oregon right now. And quite honestly, like really like, uh, I'm not going to doubt uh, Oregon staff and Mario Cristobal and their ability to recruit on the West coast for a West coast player against the school that's outside the region, unless that school is Alabama or L- or LSU or Clemson. Like I, I, I I'll, I'll I'll pretty much side with Oregon on, on any of those battles outside of those three schools. And quite honestly, like I'm not saying Clemson, LSU and Alabama are going to, are going to swoop in and take any recruit they want that Oregon wants. But I think those are the three schools nationally that could come into the West region and really on a consistent basis, make things difficult for Oregon. And if you haven't checked out Worthy's video, um, it's, oh it's, worth it. it's worth it. <laughs> it's worthy of your attention. Um, he is – the comparison that Brandon Huffman um, has on Xavier Worthy's pro player profile is Deshaun Jackson, and I think that's pretty spectacular comparison. Um, this guy is so explosive in the open field. He's a 10-5, 100-meter guy, 21-4 in the 200. Um, track fans know that that's really fast. And, uh, and it comes across on the tape. So uh, th- this would be a, a prospect. Oregon obviously already doing very, very well at wide receiver with the commitments they have right now and some of the other prospects are after. But to me, Worthy, I don't want to say he's above Franklin in terms of like who I would be most excited about because they're different kinds of players. But Worthy could be somebody that could be a, a massive uh, college impact guy wherever he goes as a deep threat and as a return guy because he just has – he has jets unlike most players you see on a football field. And he's a player that I'm going to guess – if they get him out there with an electric 40 time, he's going to open some eyes with what number he puts out. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, you, this is, this might be, I mean, Troy Franklin in my mind is obviously he's the highest rated, you know, commit in this class. He's the second highest receiver commit in program history, but I feel like worthy could be the guy that really elevates this class at the, at, at the receiver position should he come to Oregon just because of his top end speed and pairing him with a guy like Troy Franklin, mm-hmm. where worthy worthy's threat to go downfield and bust open a defense is going to force, you know, Oregon's opponents to keep their safety so far back or provide some kind of you know bracket coverage or double coverage or whatnot on worthy that that just opens up a guy like Franklin to just do work across the middle um, and, and really use his size and his length to his advantage. So they're almost like a perfect combo together. And that's why I think worthy could be, you know, an important piece to this puzzle because they don't have a burner in my eyes that is even close to what worthy is. No, he'd become your speed guy right away. And you said what Franklin could provide. I think a guy like Chiron Ware Hudson is so different than these other players too. And Dante Thornton, who obviously hasn't committed either, but is on the radar. Um, that's the exciting thing. I think I've said it before on this podcast of just the variety of wide receivers you could see Oregon sign in this class. Not only are they all going to be possibly close to top 100 rated recruits and amongst the best receivers you know, at, at that position in the country, but 
also players that do it all very differently. And to me, Worthy is one of those guys that I look at and think, man, he could be a real game changer and impact the way the game is played more than a lot of players in his class because of that speed. So um, obviously disappointing he's not going to be potentially pulling the trigger this weekend, Matt, but does it feel like he might still make a decision short term or are you feeling like this is going to be something that maybe plays out into the, into the fall or into the winter even? I still think it's trending to a spot where we might see him make a commitment before his senior season starts. Um, I, I, I think the only way I think this doesn't go that way is if it, if it, if the landscape of recruiting drastically changes where the NCAA comes out and says, Hey, we're, we're eliminating the dead period. Recruits are going to be on campus. They're free to make unofficial. They're free to make official visits and that happens well before the start of college fo- the, f- the football season. If things stay status quo throughout, you know, through the month of July and into August, I still believe we're going to see a lot of early decisions because guys aren't going to know when they can make visits and you don't want to wait too long because someone else could, could take your spot. So I, I, think, I think a decision from Worthy will, A, come along with what's the recruiting – period like from a any school perspective for visits and whatnot mm-hmm. and if it's status quo I, I think his decision will be made before the season starts all right that's going to do it for us here on the odds and audibles podcast hopefully you guys enjoyed this show a little bit of basketball a little bit of football we want to remind you guys that you can subscribe today for one dollar that's just one dollar for your first month and a 9.95 there after that or if you want to go in and go all in with the membership. You're, you're comfortable. You're, you're ready to go. You can subscribe for an annual membership, which is about $75 and a couple cents. And that nets you a $44 savings compared to paying the month-to-month price. So huge difference in going annual compared to the month-to-month. Both have their advantages, savings and, and whatnot. The, for the annual, the month-to-month, you you very low price entry, you know, $1 for your first month to try us out. Pretty feel pretty confident that if you do, uh, you'll walk away pretty happy. So give that a consideration if you can. And, and if you can't, that's all good. You know, you can, you can support us by giving us a review. You can give us uh, share these podcasts. We've seen good growth in these podcasts, even though uh, the last few weeks to months with, with no sports, even that's still pretty remarkable. So plenty of ways to support Eric and I on the podcast. And until we talk to you on the next one, You've been listening to the Odds and Audible's podcast. Talk to you later, fellas. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.